Hey there, sexy tech. Sorry, hold on, start again. Hey there, sexy techies. Oh, sorry, I'm a little parched. Some water. Hold on, yeah. So, I am. Hold on. Oh my gosh, I'm so dehydrated. I talk about it all the time. How dehydrated I am, and I just feel like with all of the traveling that I've been doing, and all the drinking I've been doing, <laughs> I'm just a very parched person. Do you feel dehydrated? You've been traveling. Hey, everybody. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I needed going? to get that in. <laughs> okay, fine. Uh, yes, I do, actually. Anytime I travel. Um, I mean, I didn't fly, so I just came back from a trip, but it was driving. So it's not as bad, but yeah, there was a more drinking than I'm used to these days. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I feel like you can still get really dehydrated when you're like on a car ride too. Just like the stale air conditioning blowing on you. Yeah. All of that. Well, I mean, yeah. So that first part that I did was definitely a shtick to get into. You told me. <laughs> yeah, I didn't even know that. that uh, good job. That was well played. I was like, yeah, drink some water. Let's start over. <laughs> Do not edit that out because it's part of what I'm about to talk about. So did you know... That the global hydration container market is valued at $12.8 billion this year? No. Yeah. <laughs> no idea. So let's talk about a hydration. hydration container market. Okay. Like water bottles. Yes. And like the rise in hydration products, people were saying, could be attributed to um, the COVID pandemic. It forced everybody to find like more outdoor activities to do. So it really spiked after like 2020 and like needing more, you know, hydration resources when you do outdoor activities and just all of these products that have come out in the past you know couple years whether they have to do with hangover hydration products like liquid iv or you know oh i still need to try that (laughs) oh well no we liquid iv is like a powder thing that you put into your water Uh for the next day it's like having gatorade i haven't tried that either but yeah and we were talking about it on another podcast that iv hydration party where you can get an actual iv into you yeah i want to try that too but then there's also like i said trendy water containers like you were saying water bottles so just even not not really necessarily like functional or useful but like there's that stanley tumbler that like everyone and their mother has yeah what is so special about the stanley it is freaking huge, but it can still fit in your cup holder. I mean, there's so much more to it than just that. But when I look at that compared to like the Yeti or... My Yeti fits in my cup holder though. I know, but it's it's freaking huge and okay. it has a handle. Okay. <laughs> I don't think your Yeti has a handle. No, mine doesn't. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know. And it comes in like really cute, like basic bitch colors, like really cute stuff. Okay. And and there's also like those water bottles that kind of mark where you should be at during the day when you're drinking if you want to yeah. get to like a goal ounce. So, I mean, I can see why it's a $12 billion market. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, people drink. I mean, in a sense, it's good because it means people are not using disposable water bottles True. as much yeah. if that market's growing, hopefully. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's a lot larger than I would have expected. Yeah. And I think it's also attributed to, have you ever heard of a water talk? No. The trend of water. Oh, so you're not on that side of TikTok. (laughs) Like when you meet at the water cooler? No, no. In your office? No, like water talk, like T-O-K. Like No, 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 no. Like anything talk is... I'm not on any side of TikTok. Well, right. So when things like go viral on TikTok, it's like, you know, XYZ talk. So water talk is like this whole trend of, you know, hydrating yourself. Yeah, I guess, I guess, yeah, if if I said it out loud... 
Um, <laughs> that does sound going to be on, on a podcast, I guess. Yeah, you if you can't, can't read see. it, yeah. <laughs> we'll put closed captioning on this. But yeah, because, you know, hydrating yourself has become such a socially aware trend um water talk has become a trending category on tiktok so it's this trend where content creators share essentially water recipes (laughs) on tiktok um with the shared goal of drinking more water and keeping people more hydrated so that hashtag has actually garnered over a hundred million views and put the fun back in drinking water water talk Water talk. Okay. Yeah, the hashtag of water talk. So like there's these influencers that have a whole setup in their kitchen of like lazy Susans that are filled with different flavored syrups and powders to mix into your water and to like make them like these really delicious sugar-free drinks. So it's like a water cocktail. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, the fla- flavors have ranged from like pina colada water to pink starburst and like pink nerds water. It's really cool. Unicorn water. That does sound cool. I've never heard of this, nor have I tried anything beyond maybe like cucumber water. Where you actually put cucumbers in? Not me, but I've had it before. (laughs) I've never actually put a cucumber in the water (laughs) at a hotel or something. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, people, yeah, there's, there's some like criticisms behind water talk. Like, why can't we just naturally flavor our waters? A lot of these are like sugar-free and calorie-free. So, you know, it's, it is the substitute of flavoring your water with like natural fruits and stuff that still have sugars and calories, but, um, it's, it's a cool thing. So anyway, I must be talking about being dehydrated a lot and I don't know like how much, like I love living in Tampa because of the humidity and I just love what the humidity does to my really dried up face, I guess, and my dried up skin. But I've been getting targeted ads, you know, for obviously like on the algorithm of being on water talk and all of these like water bottles. But something that keeps popping up that I got really curious about is this new water bottle and I've been getting ads for it. It's called the Air Up Water Bottle. Have you ever seen, has that ever popped up on your? No, this is another example of how different our (laughs) algorithms are. I've never seen this. Okay, well, again, I talk about being dehydrated a lot, so my phone is listening to me. But I've been getting these like targeted ads for the Air Up water bottle, and I was looking into it. It's kind of cool. So it's this new type of water bottle with essentially these like scented pods that flavors your water, but via scent. So it's not actually a flavor of your water, but you think you're drinking different flavors because of the scent pod that you are smelling. Isn't that insane? Yeah. Did the reviews actually um, confirm that this works? Like, do most people actually think that it has the that flavor to it yes and no and I've been I've been trying to like read some reviews there's there was like one really like nasty article written about how it just you know it's no different than putting a glade plug-in up to your nose and then drinking you know water right but I mean it's just it sounds like it's still effective like whether you pay for it or not or you use a glade plug-in but so and so I went into kind of looking into the history of what this water bottle you know how it was like created And so it started in 2016 by two college students, Lena Youngst and Tim Yeager. They both start with J's. They're from Germany. Oh, okay. (laughs) They are two university, uh, German university students 
who were really intrigued by the studies in the book that they read from neuroscientist Gordon M. Shepard. It was called Neurogastronomy, How the Brain Creates Flavor and Why It Matters. So they designed the very first prototype of the Arup water bottle as part of their university project with the foundation of neuroscience meets design. So they really took this, you know, science that was out there and wanted to design a water bottle around it. Um, A year later, Lena's friend Fabian Schlang was a Michelin star chef. I really hope I pronounced that right. (laughs) (laughs) But he's a Michelin star chef, um, and he was completing his master's thesis based on the power of aromas. And so he teamed up with them along with two other friends from TU Munich, And the first investors were brought on board by 2018. And within just six weeks, they sold 80,000 of their starter kits and have seen impressive revenue growth starting at 32 million in sales in 2020 and growing to 158 million last year. Wow. Um, Yeah. So, and this is for the water bottle that, so you're just drinking regular water, but you scent it with some, you put a little thing in the top that makes it smell yeah so there's these different pods and they they come in all these different um flavors they have like peach flavor they have cola flavored and you can even put bubbled or fizzy water in your water bottle so essentially people actually think that they're drinking coke or soda without the sugars because they can smell i'd like to try this i i know i would too I really... But I also just enjoy drinking water by itself. So, like, I don't know that I need this because, like, you know, like, you're not yeah. getting any benefit because thinking about, like, cucumber water or, you know, something else that you put... I don't know if, how much, you know, benefit you get from the cucumbers in the cucumber water, but, mm-hmm. like, if you're putting in, natu- like, natural like, fruits or whatever, you're mm-hmm. getting some benefit from what you're putting in. If right. it's just a scent, it's just tricking your brain, I guess, but, like, yeah. you're still just drinking water. Right, but, I mean, if you are not like intrigued by just like gulping down plain water. I mean, I know that. Yeah, if you get sick of it. Right. I struggle with drinking the recommended amount of water that you need in a day. Uh I used to flavor my water, but then it was kind of this, I don't know, labor intensive thing in the morning to like cut up the strawberries, you know, pick the basil and like put it in. I I had an infuser water bottle, you know, where you put it in the little tube. I know I purchased it for you. Yes. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Merry Christmas. Um, But no, it it was like really cool, but, but it was something that you had to do, you know, every day. Um, Whereas this is just a pod. They come in packs of three, all of the pods, Great business idea. And then you can just put it on there. Yeah. And then I guess you like pop it up. And the pod flavor when it's popped up is when it's activated. So if you're not going, you can save it or, you know, you don't have to use it, you know, all the time. And I think it lasts for, I don't know, I listened to another podcast about it, um, and but they were English or European or something. So it lasts for five liters, which I don't know what that is <laughs> okay <laughs> but, um i'm assuming it's a lot of water so remember like the one liter bottles of soda oh yes used to have? yeah okay so five of those yeah is how <laughs> long this flavor or water uh, this flavor scent lasts yeah and so there's really cool like you know flavors of it and, and i hear that it works and the fact that you can put fizzy water to it i think also like ups the game a little bit I think that's kind of fun. Yeah, I, I would try it. I mean, I don't like things like purchasing things that have a disposable component that I know is basically like I'm signing up for another subscription to right. something because yeah. it's like, 
you know, you're basically then you're on a subscription water plan. Right. 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 So I'm always conscious of that sort of stuff because like, what's that going to cost you a month at that point? Right. And I mean, I mean, but if you're solving the, if you really can't drink plain water and you need to trick yourself into thinking it's something else and you, you know, and you don't want to drink something that's not as healthy. But think about how many other, you know, kind of mainstream or everyday things that we use that started as, you know, a, a what, what did you call it? Like a product. A, a subscription? Yeah, like a subscription. No, it's idea. a great business model. Like but Look, I mean, anytime you can create a subscription right. out of something and people are going to keep buying it, that's awesome. I mean, the first... Just as a consumer, I don't... The first Keurig that you bought me was the Keurig View, where it didn't just take regular K-cups. You had to take get the View cups, which only Keurig made. And so, like, I couldn't even go to the grocery store and... Yeah, that was a mistake. ...get the regular... <laughs> but, I mean, people are even... Do, like, Nespresso makers, um, right. they, ha- they don't use, you know, regular Keurig, you know, K-cups, K-cup pods. They have their own kind. So, yeah. I mean... People, people subscribe to that. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, if you, I mean, if they can differentiate, like if you can get certain flavors or things that you couldn't get in re- the regular pods. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think the one I bought just happened to be a different model. So it took different size cups or whatever. Right. Yeah. And that actually limited your um, selection. Yeah. It's like not everywhere had those cups and right. they didn't come in all of the same flavors. Exactly. Yes. And I remember many times I accidentally ordered the wrong the regular ones yeah so we didn't have that one very long no we did not but yeah and i think what's really cool also about the air up water bottle is just how they have used their marketing to really get i mean obviously they've targeted to me um a very dehydrated person how did they know that i don't know but um they they are very they were very thoughtful in who they were marketing out to and they definitely targeted the gen z population which i know is not me but (laughs) but you wish (laughs) i'd like to think that i'm young at heart but i mean just a very socially aware market you know the people who understand you know that they're catering to their health conscious needs the people who you know want all natural ingredients which this is there's no artificial flavoring in their um scent pods Mm -hmm. all of their materials are recyclable you know, even though like you dispose of the pods, uh, you know, everything that they make is, uh, you know, environmentally friendly. So I think that is a really cool thing. And then they also use influencer generated content and they partner with a lot of influencers on YouTube and TikTok to sell their products. One of their biggest ones that they partner with is Jojo Siwa. Please tell me you know who that is. Oh, I know the name. Hold on. This is someone that you watched on something, right? Oh, yes, but she's changed Dance Moms. Yes. (laughs) Nailed it. I'll give you that, yeah. (laughs) Jojo with the bobo. She always wore like this big bow when she was like younger. Now she's all grown up. She was on Dancing with the Stars a couple... Oh, good for her. ...in recent seasons, (laughs) yeah. And um, now she is marketing Air Up water bottles. She does a lot on TikTok. She has a huge following, so... Okay. Um, So it's really smart that they're having... um, a lot of these influencers, you know, utilize their their product and based on their sales, it seems to be working. Have I you ordered know. one yet? I haven't. I'm really hoping Arab is listening and will send us one. I'm just kidding. How much do they cost? <laughs> like the bo- the water bottle itself. So there's like three different kinds of bottles that they have. Um, they have like a generation two one, the, the original one, and a stainless steel one, 
But if you're just going for their original one with um, their starter set, which comes with three uh, scent pods, that's about $40. And then their stainless steel ones, um, a starter set with three pods is about $60. The pods itself, if you wanted to get replacements, they run about like $3 a pod. So you can get like a pack of five pods for $15. And they come in like 25 different scents and all different colors for your water bottle. It can also come with a strap, um, which I know the Stanleys have also started coming with a strap because everyone's carrying their water bottles everywhere. So that is actually becoming a huge accessory for water bottles, a strap. Wait, what do you strap it to? You, like a, it's like a purse. The Stanley ones are kind of like a crossbody strap. So essentially you are wearing your water bottle as a purse. Okay. Um, and it also come, I know I've seen this, like the Stanley ones also come with like a little pocket so you can like put money in. I don't, it, like you can make it a whole thing for the air up water bottle. It's just a strap that you can like hold like as if you had a wristlet. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. You know what a wristlet is? I can imagine. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it's it's really cool. And just the I have heard from different reviews, though, that peach smells the most fake or almost like medicine-y. Oh, OK. Um, so don't try peach from what first. I've heard. I would stray away from that. However, I feel like peach is the one that they get, always give away as promos because I see a lot of content creators being like, oh, let's try peach. I don't know why peach is a thing, but. They have like cherry cola, wild berry, strawberry lemongrass. Like this all sounds so good. Orange vanilla swirl. I think I'm hungry. (laughs) So good job, Arup. You have definitely gotten some intrigue in me with your marketing at least. Okay, everyone. You're probably wondering why podcasters are always like, hit the subscribe button. means a lot. We'd really appreciate it. So if you don't know, More subscribers means more listeners to the podcast each episode. It's more likely that you're going to download a future episode. Also in the charts, that helps a podcast to grow, to get more listeners, to be presented in front of a a larger audience. Only about half or even less than half of the people who listen to the podcast each week are subscribed. So hit that subscribe button or that follow button. It will help the podcast to get more attention It will help make sure that we keep giving it the attention that it needs to create a quality podcast that you all will hopefully continue to love. So hit that button. That's all we'll ask. Okay, everyone. So we have an exciting first for the podcast today. Ooh, there's always a first for everything. (laughs) First time? (laughs) So today is the first time we're going to be covering a topic that was given to us as a listener request. Oh, we have listeners. We have <laughs> listeners. And they're voicing their opinions. Yes. So Matt from Odessa, Florida reached out <laughs> and <laughs> uh, I don't know why you're laughing. Uh, thank you, Matt. We appreciate the comment. Oh, uh, from Odessa. Yeah. He asked if we would do a podcast on Barstool Sports. Okay. So Barstool is, it's not the traditional type of tech company that we cover, but it did start as a form of a startup. It's a, uh, for anybody who doesn't know what Barstool Sports is, it's a media and content company 
they have a bunch of podcasts, uh, video series, blogs, and social media content, like around 75 or so different brands at this point. Hmm. And we're going to talk about how they got started, uh, what their growth trajectory was like, and you know what their story is like, and, and where they are today. Cool. Yeah. All right. And I think this story is pretty cool because um, like some of our others, it proves that it's not where you start that matters. It's what you turn into and, and where you end up, you know, where you where you go along the way. Ooh, um, I'm excited now. Yeah. So I, I don't know that a lot of people, even Barstool Sports fans, mm-hmm. a lot of them, mm-hmm. unless they were around from the beginning, probably don't know the origins of this story. So I'm kind of excited to talk about it a little bit. And I'm not a huge Barstool Sports fan. They call themselves Stoolies, I learned uh, oh. during the research of this. Oh, it's like the Swifties, but they're the Stoolies. Yeah, I guess so. Are you familiar with Barstool Sports? Like what what sort of, what of their content have you consumed? Yeah, I've seen, it's weird when you say consuming content, but I guess that is what we do, isn't it? We just <laughs> eat it all up. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think I follow them on Instagram. If I don't, like their, their targeted um, content comes up. The first time I really knew what Barstool Sports was, was because they had actually featured one of my friend's kids a video of one of my friend's kids on there and it said like thank you barstool sports for picking this up and that and then that's when i realized like they they post a lot of funny content so i think that's what i i follow okay cool so barstool sports was started by dave portnoy um his nickname is el presidente okay so he's the founder creator of barstool sports and he is still running it today uh, but there have been some twists and turns and controversies and a lot of different sort of stories along the way. So we're going to mm, cover some of them. Like any good startup. Yeah. So Dave Portnoy graduated college in 1998 from the University of Michigan. Oh, go, go blue. Big blue? Big something? blue, yeah. Is it? They're blue. Blue, yeah. Go blue. Uh, no. I... Okay. <laughs> I actually, I toured the University of Michigan. Oh, really? Did you apply there? I, uh, no, that is why I did not apply. I was like, it's too big. <laughs> oh, yeah. Huge school. Yeah. Um, cold also, I imagine. Well, I've never I'm, been there. I'm from but... Chicago, so I, that wasn't a Yeah, but <laughs> did you want, you didn't stay in Chicago. I did not, no. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but he's originally from Massachusetts. So after college, he moved to Boston and he got a job in sales mm-hmm. that he worked at for a few years. And like a lot of entrepreneurs, he started out hating his job. Like he hated it. Well, yeah, it's sales. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, and he's said that actually too yeah. about sales. He's mm-hmm. like, most people in sales hate it and hate <laughs> themselves. Uh, it's I a grind. Yeah. I, I mean, it. you've got to be a certain type of person. And he actually kind of seems like that type of person, but he also <laughs> hated it. So he decided to leave that sales job. And... He said, you know, I'm going to do something that I like. And what I like are sports and gambling. Um, He was a big gambler Uh, since he was a kid, I guess. His dad sort of showed him, taught him how to gamble or just gambled alongside him. And he picked it up. And uh, so he wanted to do something in that realm. And so in 2003, he launched a newspaper, uh, just like a little four-page pamphlet newspaper called Barstool Sports. And so it was all on paper. And he went around Boston and he handed it out at the tea stations and outside of like sporting events and just around the city, uh, handed it out to as many people as he could. 
it was about sports and sports gambling and fantasy football. All written by him? Yeah, all written by him. Oh, okay. uh, at, at the beginning, it was just him. Uh, his revenue model, you know, that he was going for was ads. So uh-huh. he was going to sell ads. Yeah. The first ad that he sold, so his first advertiser was Party Poker, which was a very popular online right. poker site back in the day. Yeah. At the time, in 2003, online poker and Texas Hold'em were sort of in their heyday. They were huge. For anyone listening, uh, Chris Moneymaker, I looked this up. He won the main event at the World Series of Poker in 2003. So that's like, this is the time. Like, this is uh, when poker was huge. Mm-hmm. So that was his first advertiser. But it, it was it, he talked a little bit about how he got ads. And I just wanted to share one of his strategies and sort of like hacks for getting ads. So he put an ad for Fleming's Steakhouse mm-hmm. in the paper. Mm-hmm. But Fleming's Steakhouse didn't actually pay him to advertise in the paper. Okay. He he ran their ad in his paper and then he called Morton's Steakhouse and he said, hey, oh. Fleming's is advertising in our paper. Um, w- would you like to take their spot? Uh, we, you know, we've got a spot open uh, and ask them if they wanted to advertise. That's so and so, funny. So the, he got Morton's Steakhouse to advertise. Fleming's was not very pleased about him putting an ad so somebody i guess at fleming saw their ad in his paper and oh. and checked and was like we didn't advertise like so they call he called and told him like we didn't advertise what's going on and so this was another thing that uh portnoy did he he came up with aliases so you asked if he was the only one mm-hmm. working on it mm-hmm. he was but he had aliases for all these different people so it didn't seem like he was the only one working on it okay. because he wanted it to seem like a legitimate publication right so he when they called he actually said oh yeah yeah that was like some intern we had working for us we fired him <laughs> <laughs> so oh my god i thought that was a pretty funny story so as i mentioned barstool started out with just a guy handing out newspapers in the city of boston and how they started to scale and like how they went online is another interesting story. So one of their big fans was this guy and Dave Portnoy just happened to hand him a paper one day in Boston, which he had done many times. Mm -hmm. And the guy said, Hey, I love your newspaper, but I'm moving to New York and I won't be able to get it there. Mm -hmm. If I build you a website, will you post this stuff online so I can keep reading it in New York? Oh, wow. And this is in 2007. Wow. He said he would do it for free. He like he didn't even charge him. Wow. And Dave Portnoy was like, "Yeah, sure. Like if you'll do it for free, like I don't have any money anyway to like pay you really." So like so he built him the website and that's how Barstool Sports went online. That's crazy. In 2007. So oh, from wow. 2003 to 2007 it was just this paper yeah. that Portnoy was going around Boston handing out. That's insane. Oh, that's what what great timing for this guy who can build websites and was moving decided, oh, look, it's the guy that I can talk to to put this online. Yeah. So, I mean, eventually, he I'm sure it would have happened anyway, right? Like, that's just the way the world was going. Newspapers were right. dying and... Everything was going online yeah. anyway. Mm. But it was just uh, kind of a cool story that that's yeah, how it happened. Right. And it just shows that he was creating something that people wanted, mm-hmm. right? Like, yeah. you had... at I mean, there were tons of people that were taking and reading this thing. And this guy wanted to keep reading it enough that... He sought him out and, you know, said, I want to put this online for you so I can keep reading it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, when that happened, Dave Portnoy said that Barstool obviously started to spread way faster. Their reach expanded like crazy when they went online. Mm-hmm. Um, they did keep running the print version alongside the online version in- until 2010. 
Oh, okay. Wow. So for three more years after that, you know, they kept running it uh, in print. Some of the other things that they did in the marketing realm to sort of promote Barstool, one, as the uh, age-old adage goes, sex sells, right? Okay, I'm trying to think of what they did. (laughs) So they created something called the Smoke Show of the Day on Barstool Sports. Interesting. It was, do you remember like Maxim Magazine? Yeah, I think it might still exist. I don't know, but it was like really popular back in the day. Right. And so they thought of it as kind of like a local version of Maxim. So people would submit pictures. Oh, interesting. um, Of themselves, uh, you know, these women. Yeah. And they'd get permission from the women, right, to be on the featured on the site. Mm -hmm. And then they'd put them up and people could vote on them. Mm. Um, And that's how they would come up with their whoever their smoke show of the day is just by votes yeah just by votes i mean they they'd have a number of entries and people would vote on them and the the winner would become the smoke show of the day so uh that increased the popularity a lot got a lot of eyeballs on them they hosted events in at first just in downtown boston so they threw parties and had musical acts and things like that featured uh you know sponsored by barstool that sort of stuff they also created something called Barstool U and they focused a lot on college campuses in the early days. Mm -hmm. They found out that their audience, like one of their prime audiences were college guys. Well, yeah. Smoke show of the day. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Sports, Sports, gambling. (laughs) uh, (laughs) Like, I mean, yeah. Online poker was huge and college kids were playing a ton of it. I was, I mean, we were in college at this time, 2003 to 2007. I was doing that. Yeah. yeah. Um, I didn't know about Barstool back then, but so they threw parties on college campuses. They booked live music. They did these parties at schools like UMass, uh, URI. Mm -hmm. And so they came up with this thing called Stoolpalooza, uh, which it was originally going to be like a frat at a frat uh, Mm -hmm. house Mm -hmm. as like a frat party. But so UMass called Dave Portnoy and they were like who are you and he's like what do you mean like i'm dave portnoy i run barstool sports and they were were like well we have a lot of students trying to buy tickets to your event and so they actually convinced portnoy to rent out the mullen center which is like their basketball arena for this party because it was going to be they had way too many students that wanted to go to it oh wow so they actually like were on board well they didn't know what they were getting into Mm. so the arena sold out like I don't know how many seats they sold for it, but like it sold out, he said, within minutes. Mm. And he said, <laughs> so this was like the kids treated it like Woodstock, basically. Wow. Um, when they came into town, like the kids like they were already celebrities going in no there kidding. for these kids. Wow. And so he said when they left, the campus at UMass Amherst was literally like on fire. Oh like gosh. the people just destroyed it so it was so yeah this whoever called and said suggested this yeah it didn't work out very well apparently dave portnoy is like still banned from umass (laughs) (laughs) i can imagine yeah so but they did things like that i think that was i think that was the last time that they did something like that how they hired people uh a lot of the early hires at barstool were actually just fans of barstool that would call in over and over again and eventually when they had enough money that they could hire people. They hired some of their like most active fans. Like these people loved their product and, you know, were their target customer and they, they wanted people like that working for them. So okay. that's what they did. 
they also eventually started selling merchandise, which they still do. So you can buy, they have tons of Barstool branded clothing and things like that uh, that you can get. Barstool took off pretty fast after they went online and with all these sort of growth hacks that they had come up with. So in 2016, the Churnin Group bought a 51% stake in Barstool Sports for somewhere around like $8 million. Mm. Um, wow. They let Dave Portnoy retain creative control over the company, which is what he wanted. So he became the chief of content. So, you know, he was able to pocket, I think he said like $5 million himself. And he still got to sort of run the show there. And in 2020, they created Barstool Sportsbook. So a mobile app for sports betting branded by Barstool Sports. Okay. So book is like bookie. Yeah. Okay. So people could go on there and gamble on sports on a Barstool related app. Okay. Um, It was available, I think, originally... It only launched in one state. Now it's spread to a bunch of states, but it's still not everywhere. Mm-hmm. It's not you're not allowed to use it throughout the entire country yet. Uh, but we'll get to there's there's been some changes here, so we'll get there in a minute. Mm. Uh, in 2021, Barstool launched ready to heat frozen pizzas. They like a they had a food line. Yeah, so they've got a food line called One Bite Pizzas. And um, that will make sense if you we're going to get into some of the content that Barstool Sports puts out. But Mm -hmm. in 2017, Dave Portnoy introduced his one bite pizza reviews. So this is where he goes around to different uh, pizza shops throughout the country Mm -hmm. and he tries a piece of pizza and he gives it a rating yeah and so he puts it up on the website it's a huge deal they film it and okay is this this is through barstool sports yeah that he also does this okay because i've definitely heard of his pizza reviews and i've heard of his name and now it's all coming together and making sense yeah he's the pizza review guy and he goes around to all these so he'll he'll meet the owner if they're there or whatever Mm -hmm. they'll sometimes they'll allow him to film in the shop sometimes he just films outside but the core of the content is he, he says he can only take one bite, but he ends up eating like yeah, the whole slice anyway. Yeah. Um, and then he gives his review. Okay. And, you know, you learn what type of pizzas he likes and doesn't yeah, like. Super he, subjective. I mean. <laughs> yeah. But but he talks about the style and he's like, he, he'll often say like, well, this isn't necessarily my, like, this is a good pizza. He's like, this isn't my favorite style. So he rates it lower because of that. But if Does he come liked, from a culinary background? I don't think so. I mean. Oh, so this is literally just like, this is what He just I likes think. pizza and you know so do the fans of his website right and so it's more of just like it's because he's, he's credible because of his following i don't know if he's credible like but <laughs> but like uh he's done it a ton of he's probably tried way more pizza places than anyone else <laughs> at this point so they I mean they even created a pizza app to track all of his reviews so you can download this like one bite app and you can see what pizza's shops are around you pizzerias and like what he rated them as so you can go try them that sort of stuff i think i think I, I haven't actually downloaded it you might be able to rate it yourself too mm. so it's like untapped uh for pizza <laughs> pizzerias so that's one of the pieces of content that they put out uh that you uh, you can see that on youtube or instagram a bunch like i mentioned are podcasts and video series so i just wanted to talk about a few of the podcasts one of the most popular is called pardon my take it's a sports commentary podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, in all of these, they cover, you know, they cover sports or they cover whatever their main topic is, but they also cover, you know, other stuff, mm-hmm. just like any podcaster, really. They'll talk about some other 
content uh, news that's you know whatever's in pop culture that sort of stuff is it is that in response to pardon the interruption uh, I mean, it's a similar name. Right. I know. And it's about sports. Co- I just, I didn't know if it had anything to do with like, they didn't like their commentary. So they did their own type thing. I don't know. I'm not sure. Okay. Uh, I don't actually watch that one. Hmm. So there's another one called Foreplay. It's a golf podcast uh, by. Don't Google it. Yeah. <laughs> Common golfers uh, talking about golf. Oh, four. Got it. <laughs> yeah. Yep. <laughs> there's another one called Spitting, uh, sorry, Spitting Chicklets, which is a hockey podcast oh that's funny you get it i do i do teeth yes exactly (laughs) uh and one that's more female centric is called chicks in the office uh it's about it's it's run by two women is about pop culture and celebrities that sort of stuff so not all of their content is about sports i was gonna say i think i'd like that one (laughs) yeah check it out so they've branched out you know at some point they they figured you know we better sort of diversify and cater to some of the female audience as well so they have some podcasts and some content aimed at women as well but it's that's quite a different um direction that they went there's it's not even about sports at all no uh and if you yeah so if you follow barstool sports on instagram now like there are so many of their content creators that have nothing to do with sports right like you'll see i think that's why they pop up on my thing oh yeah you'll see like you know they have the ones that are more it's more like a, well, it's almost like they're punking people, yeah, you know, those like types of content creators. Yeah, mm-hmm. like pranksters. Yeah. So they'll go out and do a hidden camera thing mm-hmm. and, yeah. you know, do something. And then at the end, they'll get them to sign off on it, yeah. basically. Yeah. They also previously owned the Call Her Daddy podcast. Yes. Uh, or, or they had a contract with the creators of the Call Her Daddy podcast. Okay. That one has been as high as like number one or number two um, yeah. in the Spotify charts. Yeah. Um, I think it's still... It's still up there. I don't know if it's quite as high anymore. Um, but there was a contract dispute. So Spotify actually offered the creators a three-year, somewhere around $60 million exclusive deal uh, to, be on Sp- to be on Spotify. And Barstool couldn't match it. Um, mm. So in 2021, Call Her Daddy left Barstool Sports. Mm. Uh, that was their highest revenue show yeah, at right. the time. There was actually a personal dispute uh, at this time because there was some disagreement between the two creators of the podcast. So Sophia Franklin actually left the podcast mm. at the time, and now it's just run by Alex Cooper. Okay. I mentioned at the top of the show that there's some controversy in this story. Mm-hmm. Ooh, we're going to a twist and a turn. Yeah. Well, some so some of it was around the Call Her Daddy podcast stuff, but there's a lot more than that. So, as you can imagine, uh, with this type of media play, this was especially originally all focused on guys. Yeah. Barstool Sports has been referred to as kind of a Bible of bro culture. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I mean, Dave Portnoy himself has described their content as a mix of, like, sports and smut. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you know what you're getting from, right. from Barstool Sports. Yeah. Um, this isn't CNN or you know, something like that. This is, this is entertainment. Um, and it's aimed at a certain consumer. Yeah. Sprinkled with a little bit of toxic masculinity. Yes. Uh, and they've, you know, they've, they've branched out from that a little bit, like with these shows that will cater more towards a female audience, but there's still a lot of that, um, around. I mean, when you were first just talking about the premise of like who he is and everything, I was, that's what I, first thought of i was like oh this is going to be a nice little chauvinist 
Yeah. yeah. So that's, I mean, that they've had a lot of accusations of, you know, chauvinism and yeah. uh, sexism and things yeah. like that. Yeah. And some of it's warranted, right? So like they had this thing called the Barstool Blackout Tour back in the day, which were these parties, these mm-hmm. big parties that they did. Uh, Portnoy said it referenced that the venue was being, you know, it was dark and it was being lit by uh, black lights. Mm-hmm. So they called it the blackout tour. Mm-hmm. Um, but mm-hmm. they also happened to be serving a ton of alcohol. Right, um, right. They catered towards college students. There was a lot of underage drinking. Yeah. Um, so, you know, maybe it was the the blackout tour for the black lights. And maybe they no. were just trying to get no. people blackout drunk. They were, like, <laughs> they were like, oh, wait, we're calling this a blackout tour. Like, let's do something that like we can just turn to when PR starts going bad. Put in a little black light bulb. <laughs> <laughs> well, who knows what, you know, but... Obviously, they got criticism for that, promoting excessive drinking, underage drinking. Yeah. Um, there have been accusations of sexual misconduct against Portnoy um, in mm. the past. Uh, he has denied them. And they so he even sued Business Insider over the reporting, claiming uh, defamation and libel and that there was no evidence that any of these claims were true. Um, Business Insider, you know, pushed back and said, these, this is what we were told. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So uh, Portnoy even released text messages like proving, like, you know, proving that to him that like these were all consensual relationships and that sort of thing. It, it, it was, I, I don't really want to talk too much about the specifics of the allegations, but just wanted to cover that, you know, there were these, contra- there have been these controversies uh, over the years. Portnoy and the site have, you know, made sexist comments in the past there's a sort of a history of sexist language on the site that sort of stuff so by doing this episode you know we're not agreeing with all of the content that uh, barstool sports puts out or or you know anything like that definitely not um (laughs) just wanted to throw this out there like you know you can make you can come to your own conclusions about the site and the content and if it's your thing you know you can follow it we're not doing this episode because we're promoting it this is just we're covering the story because it's an interesting story of a media company that started from basically nothing and became this huge sensation. Yeah. So in 2020, Penn Entertainment, or it used to be called Penn National Gaming, uh, they're a casino company. They bought a 36% stake of Barstool Sports for $163 million back in 2020. Oh, wow. They actually acquired the rest of Barstool in February 2023 for an additional $388 million. So they've paid over $500 million for Barstool Sports. Mm-hmm. Uh, the really fascinating thing, and this made huge news earlier this year in August of 2023, Dave Portnoy bought back Barstool Sports oh. for $1. Oh, what? So only six months after... Penn Entertainment bought Barstool for an additional $388 million to control the entire company. Uh, Portnoy bought it back for a dollar. So it came out that the reason that this happened is Penn actually got a deal with ESPN Mm -hmm. to rebrand Barstool Sportsbook as ESPN Bet. Mm. And so they took Barstool Sportsbook and now own that mm-hmm. um it's been changed to espn bet and they they couldn't do that deal um as part of barstool sports because it would violate their non-compete mm. and so 
They came to an agreement with Portnoy. He was able to buy back the company. They got the sportsbook uh, app. Okay. And so, so that's why he was able to buy it back got for it. That makes sense. So all they really wanted was the, the betting app and not everything else that came with it. Well, I mean, that's what they decided at, at this point. That's yeah. what made sense for them. Yeah. Um, they spent a lot of money to get it. <laughs> Portnoy has talked a lot about buying back Barstool and about his discontent um, with Penn when they were running it. Uh, so he, at that point, he was, you know, very much out of Barstool. He didn't have the creative control that he had before mm-hmm. uh, when he was running it or when the Chernin group invested in it. And he was vocally critical of the executives running Barstool Sports, um, especially after the uh, after he bought it back. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he definitely wants to control the direction and the, the content of Barstool Sports. In a podcast interview earlier this year, he said Barstool Sports was losing about $10 million a year. Um, this was in August or September of this year, so just a few months ago. Um, so, you know, he talked about how it was being managed or mismanaged, basically. Um, their expenses were way too high. They hired all these sort of managers, managing managers, and, that you know, this is how he described it. So he said, you know, there, there are going to be layoffs. He wants to get it back to a at least break-even company. I mean, yeah. at this point, he's not even concerned about making it profitable or too profitable. He's made his money, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but, you know, he he can't be losing $10 million a year on it right. is basically what well, how he's described it. They shouldn't have hired all their fans. <laughs> <laughs> so many fans. <laughs> no, I mean, those are the content producers. I think it's the, oh. it's all the other, yeah. you know, once you sell to a, a large company, you become part of that large yeah. company, right? Yeah. So yeah. we'll see where they go. Um, you know, they, they are one of the biggest media companies um, in the like podcasting world. Mm-hmm. Um, they own, 70 or so brands of mm-hmm. podcasts and video content creators, um, blogs, that sort of thing. Portnoy has said that he will now own the company until he dies. Oh. So he's got plenty of money now. He knows what it's like to, you know, give up control of the company. He doesn't want to do that again. Yeah. Uh, he has no plans to ever sell it. Mm. He just thinks it needs to be run more efficiently. And so we'll see where it goes. Um, it's, yeah, it's interesting. Like you said, it's not. It's no longer just sports and fantasy football and and gambling. It's all different stuff now. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of excited to see where it goes. What do you think now that you know more about like the barstool sports story and that sort of stuff? I'm just glad to see um, how much they've grown from where they started because it is very much of like this, you know, niche market of like sports and betting and all of that. And to see that they own so many like different content now that goes outside of of sports and and just things that like dudes you know typically like I I think that's really cool that um they're able to branch out like that all right Tony are you ready for our hot mom of the week hit me all right it's time for our hot mom of the week yeah whoa last time I checked I'm still hot Okay, so I talked a lot about Water Talk, and the first person that I would think about um, to feature for our Hot Mom of the Week is Tanya Spanglo. So her handle is Taking My Life Back at 42, both on TikTok and Instagram. So about four years ago, Tanya had undergone gastric bypass surgery, and she had lost 220 pounds. 
So her content is all about living a healthier life. And she's one of the original um, water talk creators, actually. She's, you know, posting her favorite water flavor recipes and all that. So she does a lot of life fulfillment posts, whether it is nutrition based or just like living your best life of who you are. Um, you know, she decided at 42, she was going to get this surgery and just really turn her life around. So it's kind of cool to see her transformation from when she first, you know, started to where she is now. We also talked about some like controversial things in our podcast. And, and I did want to kind of say that water talk is kind of a controversial topic. (laughs) (laughs) I'm excited to learn how. (laughs) Well, I mean, so I really like it because it, you know, shares, hacks basically on how I can hydrate myself better but some people are seeing it as like kind of this diet fad or you know like even pushing to drink water instead of eating like that's what I was wondering so you mentioned she lost 220 pounds did did this water no stuff play into that well so that was more because of gastric bypass surgery um she does water talk because most of her water talk followers, she was saying, were patients of gastric bypass surgery themselves, and they were looking for easier ways to consume the needed water intake that's required after you get the surgery. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I wasn't aware of that. It was. It's one of those things, and and you know, other people, you know, don't like water talk because they think it just you know promotes unnatural things inside your body and you know sugars and stuff like that. But again, she has like the non-sugar non-calorie like syrups and things like that that she puts in but she she'll never say this is a diet um lifestyle drinking water it's just something that you do and that she had to do because she had to she had a requirement of how much water she had to drink okay so it's just water yeah it's another way to drink your water <laughs> right i mean that's what i think but there are some people that are that really just um don't like water talk but okay she um and she has quite the following six followers on instagram <laughs> she has 1.2 million followers on tiktok and 256,000 followers on instagram um, all talking about water yeah well there's other things just like lifestyle changes and some recipes as well. Um, so, you know, there is food content uh, um, in there and, and some workout videos too. Oh, okay. So it's all very nutrition based. But um, I think she has her own skinny syrup um, that she promotes. So she, you know, has a huge following. She understands, you know, what it takes to create content based on things that people need. Right now, the the hype is water talk. So that's why she is our hot mom of the week. So follow her on social media. Again, her TikTok and Instagram handles are at taking my life back at 42. Well, that's all we've got today. If you enjoyed the episode, hit the subscribe button and reach out on social media. Dot coms and hot moms signing off.